Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for July 8th, 2018. Koyo here. So very, very glad you joined us. I don't know where I came across this article. I'm looking at the sheet right now. Some is on the internet, but it's quite a while ago and I, I saved it. I thought it had a good message. And um, it's titled, The Meaning of the Sankofa Bird. This concept of Sankofa is derived from King Adekera of the Akan people of West Africa. Sankofa is expressed in the Akan language as, quote, Sewo Wirefi na Osang Kofa a Yenki. And literally translated, this means it is not taboo to go back and fetch what you forgot. Now, San, Sankofa teaches us that, and I'm just reading this here. Sankofa teaches us that we must go back to our roots in order to move forward. That is, we should reach back and gather the best of what our past has to teach us so that we can achieve our full potential as we move forward. Whatever we have lost, forgotten, foregone, or been stripped of can be reclaimed, revived, preserved, and perpetuated. And the last paragraph um, they do have a picture of a, a a wooden carving of a bird. And it says, the last paragraph in this explanation says, visually and symbolically, Sankofa is expressed as a mythic bird that flies forward by while looking backward with an egg. The egg symbolizes the future. Uh, it has an egg in its mouth. And this is... Uh, tied in with the motto, in order to understand our present and ensure our future, we must know our past. 
and they have a picture of a carving, wooden carving of this bird. Okay. His neck is uh, kind of like a goose, I guess. looks like a long neck, and uh, it's turned backwards, holding an egg. Uh, I think this uh, is an interesting teaching tool for our spiritual tool bag. Anything that has to do with our own self-reflection, you know, is what Buddhist practice involves. So it's sort of saying, look at where you have been in order to better guide yourself to where you want to go. And in our lay ministry program, uh, we have a, a section in the curriculum where we call practicum, and I think this might be, uh, I might adapt this for a practicum exercise. Um, And so this idea, I want to plant the seed of the idea for you listeners. Um, Something like behooves us to once in a while reflect on our upbringing, um, our life, and find slash create something that is good, you know, something that that makes you what you are. To look in the past and then bring it into the future. I mean, bring it into the present. To, to you can so that you can acknowledge it, you could cherish it, you could uh, be grateful for it, and you can raise your awareness and fully embrace it more than you did before. Hmm. It's kind of a challenge, you know. I think it takes some some digging to to do this. Huh? Uh, but that kind of uh, finding out who am I? Huh? What is my karma? Past karma, okay. Beyond good and bad, you know. What makes me? what I am today so that you can utilize it better as you go forward. Roots. (laughs) Well, okay, okay, okay. Let's listen to our guest today to give us a Dharma glimpse, Doug Cuyo. He was part of our LM4 group, and he currently lives in the state of Washington. So Doug Cuyo. Hello to all Bright Dawn Sangha members. This is Doug Cuyo Slayton. I'm calling my Dharma glimpse The Remains of the Day, after the book written by Nobel Prize winning author Kazuo Ishiguro. Recently, my wife Patty Kayo and I embarked on a dedicated program of downsizing as part of an overall effort to simplify our lives. There wasn't any particular outside pressure to do this, but something awakened in both of us and said, more room, less stuff. We have gone through our closets ruthlessly and passed on clothes we never seem to wear. We've donated a lot of books to the local library. I don't feel the need to keep a personal book collection, and we've noticed that books tend to get moldy smelling here in the Pacific Northwest. We're keeping just a few special and meaningful ones, and otherwise we have the Kindle. 
Aesthetically, we both like bare space as opposed to filling up our surroundings with objects. In our distillation process, we're keeping only things that have meaning for us. After we make the decision to box things up and give them away, we give them a heartfelt gosho. After all, they were our friends for years and send them into the world to be used up. Perhaps at a certain point in life, this urge to get one's house in order asserts itself. My mother did something similar toward the end of her life. Knowing that someone else would be dealing with her belongings, she had pictures reframed, had a broken vase professionally repaired, and attended to similar issues out of consideration for others, while knowing she wouldn't be around to receive their thanks. These were selfless acts she did solely out of loving kindness and respect. Now, Patty and I aren't pack rats or hoarders by any means, and I would say on the spectrum of material possessions, we tend to have fewer things than most people. A lot of what we're sorting through is mine. During my 25-year career in the Navy, it was easier to box stuff up and have it shipped to the next duty station rather than continually keep it organized. Much of it is official paperwork and correspondence from people who meant something to me, particularly Patty. Some of the military records can be upsetting as I am reminded of poor choices and missed opportunities. If I only had it to do all over again, dot, dot, dot. But then I come across letters from people who supported me during my dark days, and I am reminded of how lucky I have been to have had them on my side. As I go through the process, I realize how lopsided and self-serving my memory of the past is. To establish some balance, I keep in mind the three questions of Nikon. What have I received from others? What have I given to others? What troubles and difficulties have I caused others? I'll read the cards and letters through once more carefully with these thoughts in mind and then respectfully move them along. They've done their work. But I'm still keeping a modest collection of memorabilia from my Navy career to go on what we call my I love me wall. Although a lot of what I've been rummaging through goes so far back that it seems to almost belong to another person, giving it up is accompanied by feelings of loss and fear as if these empty possessions really define who I am or was. My Buddhist take on this is that my ego mind is asserting itself or should I say, it's non-self. By fostering such a strong attachment to these ultimately irrelevant keepsakes, I suppose I could go along with the game and just keep these things indefinitely. After all, you may not be able to take it with you, but you can keep it until the last possible moment. All in all, this has been a very therapeutic experience. Hard work though it is, it pays off in many ways. The benefits range from the hygienic to the spiritual. Of course, the teaching here is impermanence, and not just of things that fade away with time, but with accomplishments, milestones, memories, and finally, me. I came across a teaching on the rigpa.org website which said, reflect on this. The realization of impermanence is paradoxically the only thing we can hold on to perhaps our only lasting possession. Getting back to our downsizing theme, I will end with a capping, or should I say a camping phrase suggested by Patty Kayo. 
we do a certain amount of traveling in our RV, and some parks have a sign that reminds the visitors that they don't own that campsite, but are there only temporarily. During your temporary stay at the campsite of life, whatever you bring in and accumulate will have to be dealt with by someone when you leave. Or as the sign reminds us, pack it in, pack it out. And oh yes, if you can, leave it a little bit nicer than you found it. Thank you very much. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's sort of, well, I don't know if it's just my own perception, but this is uh, perhaps could be one way in which um, a person could do the, the what I talked about uh, this morning, the sun, the sun kofa, you know, uh, because when you go through your material and different aspects of your life, uh, you're reflecting on the past and says, oh, this is, oh yeah, this is, you know, this, these books here were very influential on me or, you know, such and such. Um, and I think everybody, you know, we don't have to be hoarders to, for things to accumulate in one's home. Uh, if you have a garage, if you have an attic, especially our basement, uh, there's some kind of a, you know, a universal law that this empty space is going to be filled up. But I think so all of us can relate to this. And it's a matter of degree, of course. Um, my mom and my sister are Channel U or T, T teachers, the Japanese aesthetic art of uh, making matcha tea. And uh, they have a tatami tea room in their house and there's no furniture in there. Okay. Uh, that bare space gives a good feeling when you walk into a, such a room. It's not cluttered. You know, nice aesthetics of simplicity, the, the, the spaciousness, the emptiness, that somehow makes you feel full inside. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but... And uh, as mentioned by Doug Cuyo in, in this morning's glimpse, he could relate this to the Nikon, three questions of Nikon. You know? um, and all of us have this kind of uh, attachment to our keepsakes. Okay. And especially as we get older, you know, we don't like to think about it, but so well, get your things in order, you know. Otherwise, your family's going to have to deal with all these things. And probably those, they're going to throw it out because it doesn't have the same kind of personal meaning to other people, you know. Whereas for yourself, it's, oh, this, this, was, this was part of me. This is my life, okay, these keepsakes. And I know Adrian always is saying, let's clean up, <laughs> let's clear all this stuff out. And uh, it's pretty rough 
but we did bring it all in, you know, somehow. And how are we going to pack it out? I got to hand it to people that got their affairs in order. Uh, as a, well, I don't know if you call it a favor, but as, you know, for their family, when when they're looking back on their life and saying, oh, yeah, okay, okay, you know. And um, uh, I think the keepsakes really show our attachment. Okay. And maybe that kind of attachment is not necessarily all bad because like it says in the Sankufuko, uh, you could reclaim it. You could raise the awareness of it so that it enhances the present and the future, future directions of who you are, what you, how you want to be, and so forth. So this is a really uh, fertile area for uh, developing and utilizing spiritual tools for us. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going. Clean your house out, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you.